right, let's turn in our Bibles <clears throat> to the book of Mark, chapter 4, and tonight we're going to pick up in verse 21, Mark 4, 21, and we'll read down to verse 34, Mark 4, 21 through 34. If you're visiting with us, uh, just by way of introduction, we are studying through the book of Mark together. That's typically how we... Um, how we teach and preach in the church here at Red Oak. So this is the, the portion of scripture we've come to um, just simply because it, we're picking up where we left off last week. Um, so Mark chapter 4, verse 21. So let's read together down through verse 34. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So let's consider this, uh, this passage. Um, we have uh, a couple in this church, a family in this church, Jeff and Lynn Taylor, members of Red Oak, you might know them, and they are eye doctors. Uh, I, I always get tongue-tied trying to say the official word for that. It starts with an O. Um, but it's different than the guy that uh, works on other things in the human body. There's a couple of other O words, and one of them is uh, the one that does ACL surgeries, and so I always get those two confused. But um, optometrist, there's an orthodontist, there's, but anyway, um, orthopedic, but uh, I remember one time we had a kid that had gotten something stuck in their eye. It was a, like a shard of metal. The word shard just sounds awful, doesn't it? Shard of metal. And uh, I was trying to get it out. And I was using uh, the light on my phone and a Leatherman tool. And I was, I was telling this kid to trust me, you know. <laughs> this kid don't know me. This kid don't know me from Adam's house cat, you know. And, and I'm saying it's going to be fine and, and uh and I realized, you know what we should do? We should call Jeff or Lynn and take this child to them and let them remove this shard of metal. And that's what we did. And I remember I was fascinated. First off, uh, Jeff was the one that was in the office, and he did, he did the work. And I was telling him how I was going to remove, you know, how I was trying to do it. And he was, he was just like, you're a, you're a dummy, you know. Don't ever do that. You'll blind somebody. And, um, but I remember I was fascinated by the tools that he used, the the medical tools, the instruments that he used to do his work. And you could, you could look at any of the trades or any profession. Having the right tools for the job is very important, isn't it? Very, very important. Um, 
and, and that, that really applies to anything. And uh, on another sort of the other side of that token would be another illustration that I thought of um, was that my, my late father-in-law, who many of you knew as the Big Kahuna, um, he, is, he was, uh, you know, just such a colorful character. And he, he had medicine, several different uh, prescriptions that literally his life depended on. Like, okay, let me explain what I mean by that. If he did not take them, he told me and Stephen one time on a trip, he had about 48 hours. And, and I remember saying, till what? Till you're sweating in the fetal position? Till you have to go sit on the toilet? Like, what do you have 48 hours? And he said, no, till I die. And he had forgotten his medicine, you know. And we were like in a duck hunting camp in Arkansas. And he had left his medicine. So we had, a, you know, I remember this happened on a bunch of different trips where we would go on trips. He had this medicine, and it kept him alive, and he would forget it. This didn't happen once, did it, Stephen? This didn't happen twice. Sean Clark's been on trips. Little and I and the kids on vacation at the Outer Banks, and he's going, and, and he would always lose his eyeglasses, and he would go, he'd be trying to read, looking for his glasses so he could read whatever he needed to read, and then he would go, there's one that was called hematrope, I think, and he would go, Oh, Dad, coming! I forgot my hematrope, and it got to where we knew. Oh, that means you're going to die in 48 hours if we don't find a, a needle and stick some of that in your big old body. You know, he's a massive dude, and so I was thinking about those two things, like the tool for the trade, the 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 thing that keeps you alive. The Word of God is all of this for the spiritual man. It's all of this for the spiritual man. In our lives, what the Word of God gives to us and what the gospel. So, so I think we're coming to a text where think of the Word of God and think of the gospel. They are central to our survival. But as a Christian, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive and flourish and grow and produce fruit. And the Word of God and, and the gospel of the kingdom are what are at the center of that. If we're going to grow and flourish and thrive, we need the Word of God in our lives, and we need a constant reflection on and reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. whole lot of people in western North Carolina went to church this morning. All normal people went this morning, right? Something, you know, something, we go at 5 o'clock in the evening, whatever. But, but a lot of people attend church today that don't have the power of the Word of God at work in their lives, that aren't bearing fruit in their lives, that don't have the effectiveness of Scripture taking root in their lives. And I don't want to be one of those people that just survives spiritually. What does it look like to thrive and flourish spiritually? So we're going to see that in this text. Now, I want to just walk through by sections and give you an overview because we're going to sort of home in on verses 21 to 25. But in those verses, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to give instruction on the illumination of the Word of God for our lives. So verses 21 through 25, he's going to talk about how the Word of God illuminates our lives, grows our understanding of his will, gives us a, a, a deeper revelation of his truth. A deeper revelation of his truth meaning there's revelation that God gives in creation. You know, you look this morning, the mountains are just brilliant. All day today, you see the snow on the mountains, and it's like, think of that verse, the heavens declare the glory of God, and, and creation reflects that glory. The mountains cry out. But the Word of God gives us the deepest personal revelation of God. It is God speaking to us if we will listen. Then in verses 26 to 29, 
These verses form a parable. It's known as the parable of the seed growing. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's the idea that seed would be cast into the ground. And there's, there's sort of, I think, three things, three things that are, that are given to us in that parable. Um, it's a parable that uh, teaches that it's through the mystery of God's wisdom and knowledge that he grows his kingdom. God is growing his kingdom. You ever watched someone grow something, grow a business, grow a family, grow a relationship, and you go, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, that's because maybe you have an opinion. The way God grows his kingdom is the perfect way for God to grow his kingdom. There's nothing that can be done differently that would improve on that. And, the, and there's three points in verses 26 through 29. The first one is that to man, the growth of the kingdom of God is a mystery. This is where Paul will say that God has chosen to expand or grow his kingdom through the foolishness of man's preaching so that sinful foolish people would proclaim and declare the word of God and somehow God would through that the feeble words of feeble men he would grow his kingdom he would he would grow and expand his kingdom and then the second thing is that the potency is in the seed not in the farmer so in the illustration the farmer casts the seed what makes the seed grow is not the farmer the potency is in the seed it's not in the farmer's ability to plant the seed or tend the seed but the growth is within the seed and the growth is massive and it's a parable of the kingdom of Jesus and his gospel and then the third thing is in, that, in those verses that there will be a future victory in the form of a great harvest that the gospel is going to bring about. So the gospel is going to bring a great harvest. We can, we can know that there's going to be a time where in the kingdom of God, there will be people all around the throne of Jesus from every tribe, every nation, every race, every creed, every background, every like, like literally there's going to be people worshiping that are innumerable, like they can't even be counted. And so there's going to be growth to that kingdom. And then in verses 30 and 32, 30 to 32, he reflects on the scope of the gospel. Um, that's, that's where he gives the parable of the mustard seed. And I love this so much because it's an example or a parable that, that shows how the seed of the gospel falls to the earth in the person and work of Jesus. One person, one man, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament scripture, God's plan from the beginning of time, that seed falls to the earth and the gospel flourishes and the kingdom of Jesus begins to grow. That, that, that we would be recipients of that a couple thousand years later sitting here tonight, that we would be the recipients of that kingdom. I love that so much. And then in verses 33 and 34, uh, we're reminded that Jesus always teaches his people with clarity. For the disciples, he would pull them aside and he would elaborate in private um, and give them instruction. And it, and it reminds us that there are really two things that, that, that Jesus teaches about parables. He teaches, we saw this last week in verses 10, 11, and 12, and then again in verses 33 and 34, we see it fleshed out. Let me go back and read verses 10 to 12 from last week again. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. So he's telling us that the, the, the parables will be used in two ways. First, a parable would be used to bring judgment on those who would reject Jesus. But it would also be used to bring instruction to those who would receive Jesus. 
The parables were for judgment on those that reject Jesus and for instruction for those that would receive him. So there in verses 33 and 34, he pulls them together, his, his inner circle, and he teaches and explains to them the parables. And I think this is encouraging for us because it, for us, we have the word of God, and it's a reminder that if we are faithful to open the word of God and spend time with the Lord, he will instruct us, he will teach us, he will help us. And so I want to I wanna focus the rest of our time on verses 21 to 25 and really drill into verse 24. In 21, it says that uh, he uses the word lamp. He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? I remember when I was a kid, there was this song and they would say, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Do you all know this, this song? And then, and then there was this phrase, this line where it would say, hide it under a bushel. And what were the kids supposed to yell? No. And I remember I grew up in this independent fundamental you know, Baptist Bible church in Western North Carolina in the mountains. And, and it was, you know, just kind of the preacher sweated and screamed and yelled a lot. And so when we were participating, we were supposed to yell a lot. I remember that it was like a yelling contest. And I went to this camp. I went to one camp as a kid. It was Camp Barwalla in Hendersonville. It was an RA camp. Y'all know what RAs are? Royal Ambassadors. Um, it's like Christian Boy Scouts in the old Baptist church. And, uh, and I went to Barawala camp and I remember they were going to do that song and we're all singing it and they and uh the guy's up there with the guitar and he says when we get to this part you yell no you know and and he said and everybody sung hide it under a bushel and I yelled no and I was the only kid that yelled and I remember I was so introverted and I was just mortified I remember I wanted to go home so bad and uh but but when when you think of uh that idea of taking the lamp and hiding it, this, that's where that song comes from. It's where that teaching comes from. The idea is that the lamp needs to be put on display. But I'm learning in this context, the context of Mark 4, and in a really good commentary by a guy named William Hendrickson, that the lamp Jesus is talking about is specifically the Word of God. Specifically the Word of God. And that lamp was being hidden in the greater context of Mark three, four, and five. This section of the gospel, the greater context, the lamp was being hidden, this is so helpful, by the Pharisees and their man-made traditions. This is what Hendrickson says. The word is symbolized by the seed back in verse 14. So if you go back to verse 14 that we read last week, it says the sower sows the word. The seed is the word that's being sown. The word is symbolized by the seed back in verse 14 and by the lamp in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. So two word pictures that describe the word of God. One is it's like seed being, being sown and the other it's like a lamp or a flashlight that's lighting the way of our path. It was the word and the lamp which the rabbis were hiding under an elaborate load of human tradition and hypocritical actions. So the spiritual controllers were taking the word of God, controlling it and teaching the people something that they held in higher authority than the word of God. Hendrickson then points back to the previous teaching by Jesus that was about a sower sowing seed. By mean, this is quote, by means of a different figure, Jesus is stressing the same basic truth, namely that hearts and lives should be fruitful and they should shine so as to benefit others to God's glory. So go back to last week's text and that principle, that teaching that our lives are to bear fruit. The word of God, in fact, is to bear fruit in our lives. Likewise, the word of God is to illuminate 
our lives and the path of our lives and that of others. So in these two statements, Hendrickson is teaching us that the Word of God illuminates the truth and the application that will bear fruit in the life of a Christian. The religious traditions of the Pharisees could not do that. In fact, it was like taking that lamp, that flame, and throwing a wet blanket on it. The traditions of the Pharisees was like taking the living, active Word of God, the illumination of God's Word, and covering it with a wet blanket. And instead, and in its place, putting man-made traditions. So Jesus is addressing that. And, and then in verse 9, if you go back to verse 9 in the parable of the sower, he, Jesus makes this statement. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So in verse 9, the phrase, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. And then there in verse 24, he says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. So he's saying, if you'll listen with ears to hear, you will hear the word of God and understand it. There's a TV show that's really, that's really popular. It's, I don't know if it's a game show, reality show. It's called The Voice. Are you familiar with this show? We watch it at my house. And I watch it. I, I, I enjoy watching it. Mainly I enjoy watching it because my girls love watching it. Little and Laylee and Juju. Love to watch it, and, and I love to watch it. I enjoy it. Some, some of the singers, it's, so here's the premise of the show. It's people, it's a singing contest, and then there's a winner at the end, and they get a lot of money, and they get a record deal. So it's a big singing contest. It starts with a whole bunch of people, and then the judges pick people, and then eventually it's no longer the judges doing it. It's Twitter. X is choosing who's going to win, you know, and it's just this big contest for the people. So when it's over, you are the champion of the people, by the people, for the people. As a, but you just sang. You're a singer is what you are when it's over. And so, so the, uh, but it's, it's interesting because there'll always be, you know, if, if you've watched the show, there's people that you like. Like, that's the person I'm going, I'm going to go with this person. So this last season, I like this girl. She's real country. She's a honky-tonk. She's like 16 years old, and she sung like old school. Y'all, I ain't talking about flat bill bro country. I'm talking about Johnny Cash will be proud. Y'all feel me, you know, like, and so uh, her name was Ruby, and I loved listening to her, and she was, like, awesome, and, but she didn't win, and spoiler alert if you haven't watched all the way through yet, um, but there's this thing that'll happen where we'll be listening to a person perform a song, and little will go, ooh, she just went flat. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I know it's not good. <laughs> I know when you're singing on the contest, you don't want to go flat. But I don't know. I don't. If somebody sings real bad, like there's some people in this church that I've sat beside. I know when somebody <laughs> sings real bad, you know what I mean? Like there's kind of like you shouldn't sing except when you're by yourself. <laughs> and then there's like people that sing real good, and I kind of understand that, you know, like. But there's a big middle gray area where I don't know if a person sings good or not. So be listening. But the problem is I don't have the ear for it. Someone whose ear is tuned, Josh Dunn, for instance, ear tuned to music. Spencer Davis, Amy, Moose, tune, ear tuned to music. We have people in this church that can hear something and it's off, it's out. The word of God, what, what Jesus is saying is, if you're a believer, you have been given the ear to be in tune with the word of God. But you need to attune yourself to it. I need to listen with, and what he would say is, ears to hear 
What does that mean? Ears that are willing, a heart that wants to receive. The word of God is for me. Listen to me, look at me, Red Oak Church. Do not believe the lie that you can't open God's word every day and hear from him. That is garbage. That is a lie. Don't believe lies. If you have ears to hear, God will speak to you through his word. If you have ears to listen and a heart to receive, God will grow you through his word. The principle here is that the more serious I get about listening to and learning from the word of God, the more understanding and application I will gain from it. Encouragement to be faithful in reading and in meditating on Scripture with hearts and minds of submission and hearing. I want to share some thoughts from my journal. I'm going to put some things up on the screen here, some things from my own personal study of this text um, that, that were real helpful for me. In both of these sayings, as I was talking about an old saying in my journal where uh, there's an old saying, it takes money to make money. You heard that before? The idea is the more money you have, the more money you can make. Well, it's like that with hearing the Word of God. The more I listen and grow and learn, the more I can receive and grow and learn. And so in both of these sayings, I see a parallel to the words here in Mark 4, 24. If and when I get serious about my study and the reading of Scripture, I will begin to grow in every way at an accelerated pace. The more you grow, the stronger you get. The stronger you get, the more you maximize what you get out of reading and meditating on God's Word. There's power in the words of Jesus. The transfer of that power comes to us when we open the Bible consistently, daily, with an open heart and open mind. If we have ears to hear and a heart to receive God's Word. So I want to kind of unpack some ideas from, from my own personal study. What does it look like to have that transfer of power from the Word of God? Or how do I attain that transfer of power? Well, first... I need to have an attitude of humility when I approach the Word of God. I need to have an attitude of humility. When I approach the Word of God, I do so not the way I would approach any other book. I want to be mastered by the Word of God. I'm not here to master the Word of God. The way one animal will lower its head and shoulders is a sign of submission when they approach a dominant being. That's When I approach the Scripture, I do so in submission and humility. Next, I will receive the transfer of power in my life from the Word of God when I have a desire to grow and learn. A desire to grow and learn. I have to ask myself this and evaluate it in transparency. Do I really want to grow and learn? If not, I can change that desire by committing to it. I can choose to desire this. I can choose to desire it then have a positive attitude about it. This is the dumbest, cheesiest illustration, but I'm going to share it with you. It, it, it clicks for me. So I didn't, I, I was like left out of, I didn't, I didn't like coffee when I came into adulthood. And, and, and you guys know we're a coffee drinking culture, you know? And I mean, we got coffee at church. It's like awesome, you know? And I, but I didn't like it. And my dad, my dad died. I was about 35 years old. When I was growing up, and, and I, would, I got like the smell of coffee in the morning was nostalgic. And I inherited, my dad lived in a camper. So when I say I inherited, keep in context, I inherited his Stanley work thermos. That's what I got. And his old App State Letterman jacket from football. And uh, so I got that, uh, that thermos, and I was like, I'm going to start drinking coffee. I committed to drink coffee. Now, I'd love to go down a rabbit hole of what that process looked like, which we don't have time for. It took me about six months, and now I love that stuff. I drink it, love it, drink it all the time. The, the point for me is this. It, like, if you commit to something that's good, 
you can get there. So I want to pause right here and challenge you. Commit your desire for the Word of God. Commit to that. Don't wait for the desire to come. Like, well, maybe at, at some point I'll start wanting to read the Word of God. Commit not just to read it. Commit to desire the Word of God. Commit to want the Word of God. And God will feel that desire in your heart. Next, that transfer of power comes in faith, believing that God will grow me. I've got to read and open God's Word. So I open the Word of God and hear the Word of God in faith, believing that God's going to grow me. I've had times and seasons in my life in which I didn't have a genuine expectation of growth associated with reading and meditating on the Word of God. I believe one of Satan's lies is to convince us that we aren't really going to get anything out of it. I don't read the Bible, you're not going to get anything out of it. I think a lot of folks fall for that lie, that they can't learn and grow just by meditating on Scripture. It's for the professionals, the pastors, the theologians. I'm no theologian, but in reality, everyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus is a theologian because a theologian is someone who studies about God and who God is and uses the resources God has given us as a revelation of himself. Next, the transfer of power happens in faith, believing that God's word is living and active. That God's word is living and active. Paul writes to Timothy, it's breathed out by God. It's useful. It's profitable. It teaches us what is, tr what is true. It teaches and shows us what is wrong in life. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us what is right. It prepares and equips us to good works. The Word of God is like spiritual oxygen. It fills our lungs and rejuvenates us and washes our mind. It strengthens us. You've got to believe that. It's living and active. It's like that medicine that keeps you alive. It's like that tool that you need to navigate every step of life. And then that transfer of power happens when we are expecting to learn and gain spiritual knowledge. So I come to the Word of God expecting God to teach me. I'm expecting. I pray for, I pr I pray for you, Ephesians 1, 16 and 17. I pray for you constantly asking the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Colossians 1.9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. These prayers that Paul prayed for these churches that he pastored are the same prayers that the pastors and elders of Red Oak Church pray for you, that you would have a deeper knowledge and understanding of God's word, a desire for it, that his will would be revealed to you through his word, his will for your marriages and your parenting, for your work and your finances that God's will would be made known to you through his word. The revelation of his word to you would change your life. And then, then next, that transfer of power comes when you have a plan. You've got to have a plan. For me, the plan is to have designated times for reading God's word, studying and having devotions. Time set aside helps me with consistency. If I have a plan, it will also provide some accountability, a time, a place, for me, it's the kitchen table. It's by the wood stove this time of the year with the fire going in the morning. Opportunities throughout the day, car rides, daily walks, just listening to God, speaking to God. I need a plan. And then next, the, 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 the power transfer of God's word requires that I be committed, determined, and undeterred. Committed, determined, and undeterred. I have to simply commit to spending time in the word and in conversation with the Lord. To commit to something is to move toward it. 
This requires purpose and vision and a plan. It also requires resolve and discipline. You don't accidentally grow in your walk with Jesus. It's a very actionable thing. We often say here, no one ever drifts toward holiness. I'll never accidentally grow in my walk with Jesus. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to accidentally grow in my walk with Jesus. It requires determination. i got to be undeterred. And last, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The, the ultimate purpose in my growth in reading the Word of God is that I would become more like Jesus. My thoughts would align with His thoughts. My affections would be His affections. When I open God's Word, what I find is that God's Word is opening me. My affections begin to align with His affections. And so the Word of God requires for, for it to be effective in my life, I need ears to hear. So let me pause right here. We're, we're about to be done. What Jesus is telling us in this passage is if we have ears to hear, the Word of God will make sense. The parables will click. The teaching of God will be understood. If you have ears to hear and a desire to learn and grow, listen to me, look at me. If you desire to learn from God's Word, you open your heart and ask Him. The Scripture says in James 1, let anyone who would receive wisdom ask of the Lord, and He gives it. Ask God to give you understanding and knowledge and wisdom through His Word, and He will do it. If we have ears to hear, we're like the disciples in that quiet moment where Jesus is explaining it to them. You have a deep understanding of God's word. But then at that same token, if I don't have ears to hear, the word of God becomes a source of judgment when I hear it. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm held accountable to the thing that I'm rejecting. But if I, but if I open my, 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 my heart and my ears and my eyes, God will speak to me. So important. The principle here is the more I get serious about listening to and learning from the Word of God, the more understanding and application I'll gain from it. Throughout the four Gospels, there's three things that continually come up in regards to hearing. This idea of hearing, I want to hear like he who has ears to hear. Pay attention to what you hear when you read the Word of God. The first thing is this. These, these three things come up over and over and over. The first thing is important that we should hear and listen. That we should hear and listen. The emphasis is on a willingness to listen rather than a refusal or choosing not to listen. The second thing is what we are listening to. That's what we're addressing in this passage. We need to pay close attention to what we are hearing. This is measured against what we choose not to listen to. Like I think the, the, what this is talking about is the volume of the Word of God in my life compared to the volume of everything else. What am I listening to? What has the highest voice of authority in my life? And then third, how I listen. Luke 8, 18 says, take care of uh, then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. How I listen determines how I will receive God's word and how I'll understand it. If I'm paying close attention to what I should be listening to, then I will grow in wisdom, discernment, knowledge, understanding, faith, courage, compassion, hunger for the word of God, love for others, spiritual strength, spiritual awareness, hatred of evil, steadfastness, resolve, faithfulness, and I will experience communion and fellowship with God and with the people of God. And ultimately, I will stay the course in my Christian journey. The writer of Hebrews reminds us to pay close attention to what we hear in the words of Christ. And to the contrary, if I'm listening to what the world is saying, then the opposite will occur. If I entertain gossip, dirty talk, negativity, then I won't grow 
in Christ. In fact, I'll feed my flesh and the power of evil will gain the upper hand in my life. The final thought is this. It's the time of year where people make resolutions and promises to themselves. One year I committed to learn how to play the banjo. Another year I committed to learn how to speak a foreign language fluently. Thank you, Miss Forchetti. <laughs> Public mockery is so good because it's humbling. <laughs> and Jen has heard me try to speak Spanish. <laughs> Another time I had financial goals. Another time fitness goals. I, I'm, I'll be honest, the fitness goals, I, I mask that. It's really dietary goals, and I still eat way more donuts than I need to, and I've got a sweet tooth. There's a host of other things, lofty goals, how many books I'm going to read. I'm going to read 30 books this year. I've made, like, one, I remember one year, it's like, I'm going to read 36 books, three a month. Oh, I'll do 48. That's four a month. That's one a week. I think I read four and a half books that year, and that is to this day my personal record, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But I think if we commit to live daily, pursuing the Lord daily, drinking from the well of his living water daily, sitting at the feet of Jesus, opening his word, letting it wash through our thoughts and our minds, inform our emotions, shape our worldviews, then we will simply be joyful and happy and fulfilled and discerning. We'll be steadfast and faithful. We will endure hardship and pain. We will still encounter trial and difficulty because we live in a fallen world, but we will walk in joy and peace because God's word will provide that for us. We'll live in this world, but, but we'll be part of the harvest of souls that will go into the building of the kingdom of Jesus where we will live with him forever and ever. And the closing thought is just this. Jesus has said to us in these parables, the kingdom is going to grow. The word of God is for your instruction to be a part of that growth, to be a part of that harvest, to be a part of the spread of that gospel. The word of God requires that we have ears to hear. Otherwise, it's just an accumulation of words. But it comes alive for the believer when we bend our hearts and our ears towards it. It comes alive in our lives and it shapes us and it grows us in godliness. Let's pray, Lord. I pray that it help us to understand the gravity and the effectiveness of your word. And I thank you, Jesus, for parables that you taught to help us understand things like the building up of your kingdom, the harvest of souls, the spread of the gospel. Lord, this evening I pray that, that we would hear in the midst of all of this that if we have ears to hear, you will expand knowledge and understanding. You'll grow us in ways that we can't imagine the depth and maturity that'll come to us will will give us levels of joy that maybe we've never experienced we're still going to go through hardship relations will relationships will still be difficult there's no doubt about that we live in a fallen world but your word will sustain us it'll give us the anchor that we need for our souls and our minds and i pray that we would we would commit afresh and anew to desire your word, to love your word, and to grow in the knowledge of your word. That we would read your word. What we would put into our minds, that we would meditate on your scripture. And we would receive more and more in abundance. And, and that you would, you would be also pleased because of it. Love you and thank you and praise you for loving us. And 
pray that now you receive these songs as gifts of worship in Jesus' name.